The San Jose Sharks got the season started in Prague, and it was a special weekend for Tomas Hurdle. The Calgary Flames extended Daryl Sutter as their head coach, and the Pittsburgh Penguins are all in for one more cup for Crosby. We've got all that and more on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. And thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. I am Gil Martin. So glad that you could be with us today. And right now, it is my pleasure to welcome to the show the host of Locked On Sharks, J.D. Young. And J.D., the season is underway for San Jose before 30 of the other 31 teams in this league. Not the start the Sharks hoped for, but some positives to be taken away. What was your biggest impression of these first two games? Uh, the biggest impression for me is Timo Meyer and Tomas Hurdle are the Sharks' best players. And we saw that, you know, Tomas Hurdle, of course, scoring in his hometown Prague, uh, getting the, the only goal for the Sharks on on Friday. And then Timo Meyer leading the team with 11 shot attempts or, for the, or shots on goal over the two games. So, um, the Sharks are going to be much like they were last year, where it's all going to be focused on Timo Meyer and Tomas Hurdle for them to kind of carry the the load for the Sharks if they're going to have any success this season. As far as the defense goes, San Jose did a much better job in one game at limiting the opposing shots than they did in the other. But uh, your thoughts on the defense after two games? Uh, it's going to be a brutal, <laughs> brutal season. Um, the Preds, yeah, they didn't have many shots in, on the Saturday game, but they pretty much, as soon as they got up three to two, they parked the bus and just dared San Jose to try to um, be able to score on them, and they just weren't able to. So Eric Carlson went healthy, is we know what Eric Carlson is, and there was positive signs from Mark Edward Vlasic, who's had some really down seasons the past couple of years and is not living up to his contract. And Mario Ferraro, there was some positive signs with him, but some of the new additions like Matt Benning had a rough weekend. Um, Scott Harrington, who they was a PTO and then they signed and then was playing first line defensive minutes with Eric Carlson was a healthy scratch on Saturday's game. Um, he had some rough moments as well. And, Again, there's just after Eric Carlson, the talent really dips on the defensive line. And not if when Eric Carlson gets hurt because he can't stay healthy at this point, this blue line is going to be one of the worst in the leagues uh, whenever that happens. Where does that leave the goaltenders who are probably going to be facing more shots than they would like over the course of this season? Yeah, I mean, Reimer and Capo Kakadin, I both I thought they both looked pretty good, especially with, with some of the situations that they were put into. But it's probably going to be the, a lot of the same where they're just getting outshot every night and having to kind of, uh, you know, kind of hold down the fort for a little while. So I don't want to say all doom and gloom here for the Sharks, but I mean, it wasn't there was some not promising signs there based on, on some of the usage and, and just the way some of the guys played. So still very, very, very early into the season. And again, you know, the whole going to Europe and then having to come back. So it's going to be a little bit different. Maybe once the guys get settled in and get into a regular routine, we'll see uh, some improved play. But uh, again, with the goaltenders, I thought Reimer and, and Capo, I thought they looked pretty good. It's 
especially with what they were kind of facing. You know, the Preds are a very deep team. They can run three lines at you. They can score pretty easily. And um, new addition, Nino Niederreiter, really showed that uh, the Preds might have gotten a, a steal with that contract for, with him. So, Yeah, he he did certainly look very good. Uh, for to- Tomas Hurdle, you mentioned, you know, him getting to score in his hometown of Prague. What did that mean to him? And, and, and what did this trip mean? for this team as far as team bonding and, and sort of getting the season off on a pretty unique start. Yeah. I mean, Tom Charlie talked about how important this was for him and just, you know, for his trip and journey, you know, being, uh, uh, you know, kind of a mid first round pick. And, you know, a lot of people were like, who is this, who is this hurdle guy when the Sharks drafted him and, you know, coming out on his rookie season and scoring four goals in his three games and dealing with knee injuries and stuff. And I, I think this was a nice, and then last season signing that eight year deal to make him a shark for, you know, probably the rest of his career for the most, you know, most likely. I think this was kind of that nice little like feather in his cap of being able to go home, you know, knowing I'm going to be a shark for probably for the rest of my career and kind of prove, you know, be able to go and play in front of his friends and family and and then scoring that goal too. And being one of the best, if not the best player on this team, um, I think it means so much for him. And, you know, hurdle is such a likable character, always full of energy, so charismatic. And, um, you know, just seeing that smile on his face after he scored and, you know, there was the moment they had practice, you know, open practice and there was thousands of fans there. And then, um, you know, him having his kid skating around on there and you could just see the joy coming from his face uh, of just how much he was enjoying this moment. So hopefully, you know, it leads to a, a, another great season from Hurdle. But uh, as the team, I think it was, you know, especially where you have such a, a lot of new people coming in, you know, General Mike Greer, he went out and signed a bunch of new people. I think there were six people making their, their uh, Sharks debut this uh, on, on Friday's game. So it's a good time for them. You know, they say a lot of times like having a, a big road trip at the beginning of the season, it's it's good for that kind of team to kind of bond and get to know each other. And I don't think you can pick much longer of a road trip here going to Europe for, for a week. So, you know, hopefully this is one of those things where these guys can get together and get to know each other, especially after such a short preseason, you know, having to kind of shove an entire preseason into a week for the Sharks while most other teams have, you know, full two weeks of preseason. So, Hopefully this this will kind of get that team chemistry going a little bit sooner, um, but we'll we'll see. You know, sometimes maybe the, another advent. Or, you know, it's just the the travel and the wear and tear of the travel and stuff. So um, they have a week off. They don't play again until Friday. So hopefully they'll uh, you know be able to kind of get rested up and some of the the injured guys can can get ready to play on Friday against the Canes when Brent Burns makes his debut. <laughs> Uh, that'll be that'll be interesting that will be a nice little twist after burns has been in san jose for so long any how would what would you say is the key for this sharks team to exceed expectations this year i know expectations are not very high but you know what what would be a successful season for the sharks and what's the key to it for you i mean a successful season to me is winning the draft lottery but i mean i think though like on the ice i want to see david quinn's plan come together you know i i think he can there's a thing that he can do to really help his team i I think the power play which has struggled the past couple years hasn't been creative and we saw some of that creativity on uh friday and saturday's game i think the power play is going to be improved and if the penalty kill can be improved or 
stay somewhat consistent as they were last year. They were second in the league. I don't know if they can be second in the league in the game, but if they can still be like a top 10 penalty kill unit and then improve defense or improve penalty power play, sorry, excuse me, um, that can help make up for their what's probably going to be bad five on five numbers. So maybe you can steal some games that way. Um, but I, I think for them, it's kind of figuring out what pieces are going to be here long term. And then hopefully starting to see some of these young players like Eklund and Bordolo start to kind of come in and prove that they can be s- solutions in the long term. So um, for Sharks fans, I know right now Eklund and Bordolo are both going to be starting the season in, in the AHL with the San Jose Barracuda. So I think it's, you know, kind of see what you have these first kind of 20 games and then, okay, what, what guys are going to, are going to be coming that can really be solutions to some of their problems, especially their scoring problems. Makes sense. JD, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Uh, Of course you can find the podcast wherever you get podcasts and on uh, YouTube locked on sharks. I have uh, sharks prospect Scott Reedy planned for Tuesday. So you guys want to make sure you check that out. He is very handsome. Um, and then you can find me on Twitter at my fry hole uh, where I make terrible jokes. So enjoy that. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Daisy. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks Gil. Today's episode is brought to you by athletic greens. Our next partner has a product I literally use every day. I started taking AG1 because I'm not a great pill taker and I didn't want to have to take a whole lot of different pills in order to get the vitamins and the nutrition that I needed. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adoptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus and aging, all of these things. And it's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything, while still tasting great. And it costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day, and that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Calgary Flames, Jess Belmasto. And Jess, quite an eventful offseason and re-signing or or extending your head coach, Daryl Sutter, sort of the icing on the cake. Your thoughts about this deal and what it means to the Calgary Flames? I am not surprised that uh, they were able to extend him. I think that he knew he was here for the long haul uh, and that's kind of why he left the farm and said, I'm going back. But uh, you know, I think that this is a fantastic, fantastic just time for the Calgary flames there. I've been covering the team for four years. I started covering the team right after Bill Peters left and then Jeff Ward stepped in and then Jeff Ward was fired Daryl Sutter is came in 
uh, shortly thereafter. And for them to finally have consistency and someone who believes in them and is that has the ability to lead, to coach, and to teach new aspects of the game for different players. You know, I think that he was able to use last season as just a springboard to get this team, you know, back up to a competitive level and to somewhere where they should have been and where they should have been for a long time. And, you know, obviously with the departures of the, uh, you know, Johnny Gaudreau, Eric Goodbranson, Matthew Kachuk, I think that uh, he is going to have his hands full in a good way when it comes to these, uh, to Huberto, Wegar, uh, who was just extended, and Nazem Kadri. Like, they're, they're in a very good position. And, it, you know, the dark cloud that was looming over Calgary in July is just bright, sunny skies now. What is it about Sutter that makes him such an effective coach for this team? You know, I think that he he's hard on them, but in a way that's productive. I think that, you know, it comes back to his ability to be blunt, to say, hey, you know, you might have played your 500th game with the organization, but I, I wouldn't have known you were even out there because of just your lack of production and you just you didn't do anything special for me. And Sutter is, I think, one of the few coaches that does the what have you done for me lately kind of model in in a way that is, again, productive. You know, if he sees that you're not, you're not being productive, he's going to bump you down in the lineup or, you know, try to shake things up a little bit. And I don't necessarily think he is a punitive coach. He's not reaching for, you know, um, the punishment and to throw the book at you and his press conferences, he, he tells it like it is. And I don't think that he tries to hide anything. And my favorite thing about him is that he holds everyone accountable when they need to, and there's no throwing anyone else under the bus and, you know, trying to take the blame himself. Always a positive. One of the challenges that he's going to face, especially early in the season is integrating some of these new names into the lineup. I mean, Jonathan Huberdeau, Mackenzie Wieger, Nazem Kadri. Will it take a little bit of time for this very talented roster to mesh early in the season? You know, I wouldn't be surprised if it did take a little bit. I think that it's completely normal for teams to have that kind of slow start out of the gate, especially if you've had a lot of turnover, whether it be a new coach a new general manager, or if it's the players on the ice. It's truly just something that has to figure itself out. And there's enough chemistry and talent on the Calgary Flames roster to get it sorted. Yeah, yeah, that that does appear to be the case. I mean, first time in NHL history, a team loses two 100-point scorers in the offseason. And most people are saying this team may be better this year on paper than it was a year ago. That's got to give credit to the GM for that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that I was so surprised by was how Brad Tree Living was able to just do a complete 180 and turn this team into something that a team that's more mature, 
a team that still is competitive. I think that's the biggest thing is that you look at this roster and you say, oh, they're still competitive. They they added depth down the center with Nazem Kadri. They're they're already great defensive core, got even better. And, you know, their top line is still going to be a very effective top line. Definitely positivity all the way around. Give me a, a, a name that maybe a lot of non-Flames fans will not be overly familiar with, but someone who's going to be contributing to this team's success early on, especially this year. Yeah, you know, I have to go with uh, the little Italian man himself, Andrew Mangiapane. He has been just this one player that I have been rooting for um, since I started covering the team. And he, there's something special about him. He's 5'11", so he's quote-unquote undersized. Um, but he he's fast. He has a fantastic two-way game. And I love that he's not afraid to shoot the puck. Last season, he had 35 goals and he signed an extension. And I, he's, if you like rooting for an underdog, that's the guy. How confident is this team in its goaltending situation, especially the backup goaltending situation? Yeah. So I think going into this season, the main kind of gripe is letting Markstrom rest. I think that. Daryl Sutter had no faith in Dan Vladar last year. It was his first real season in the NHL. So, you know, he had to let him get his toes wet. And unfortunately, there were times where he just decided to drown. And I'm hoping that another, you know, season of development and learning from, you know, the Vesna candidate, trophy candidate, uh, Jacob Markstrom has helped his confidence a little bit. And the goalie, uh, coaches in Calgary are fantastic. So I hope that Vladar does see more time in net because there really is no reason for Markstrom to be starting games so late in the season against teams that are out of playoff contention, especially if they're outside of your division. Should be a very interesting season ahead in Calgary. Jess, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners how they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media. Yes. So you can find Locked On Flames wherever you listen to uh, other Locked On podcasts. So head on over after listening to this one and tune into Locked On Flames. Come hang out in the YouTube comment section, same channel name, Locked On Flames. And you can follow the show's Twitter feed at LO underscore Flames Pod. And then you can follow me at Jess Belmosto. All right, Jess, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Gil. I appreciate it. The Pittsburgh Penguins are preparing for another season. They re-signed two of their top stars to make another run with this core group at another Stanley Cup. And Hunter Hodes is with us today to discuss all things Pittsburgh Penguins. And Hunter, a, a strong finish, at least, to the preseason for the Penguins. What was the biggest surprise for you through this preseason? Biggest surprise? I mean, that's, that's that's a good question, Gil. You know, not really too much surprised me. I mean, I guess Ty Smith looked really good. Um, people are freaking out that he got sent down today. That's just a cap compliance move. Um, they they literally have fifty thousand dollars of salary cap space right now. It is it, it, very very small. 
Um, I would kind of be surprised if he is not up by the time the regular season starts for them on Thursday. I think they're trying to see if they can make a trade off the roster, whether it's another defenseman like POJ or a forward or something like that. Um, Smith belongs on the opening night roster. He was that good in camp, um, good in the preseason. So I don't want to say that's too surprising, but I, I was you know excited that he was playing well coming off a really disastrous season um, in New Jersey. Um, I guess if you want to call it a surprise, Casey DeSmith looked really good in the preseason in camp. Someone who had a disastrous first half last season for the Penguins and then turned it on in the second half. Um, I tweeted this after the game against the Red Wings, which they won. It was almost one of their dress rehearsal games. Um, if he can maintain that level for the entire year, you know, that allows Tristan Jari to really rest. And maybe you're starting him 50 or so games and not 60 to 65, like he was basically on pace for last year. Um, he was starting way too much in the first half and he looked gassed um, by the end of the season, you know, well, before he got hurt, um, of course. But um, that could be a really big development. If you can give DeSmith 30 to 35 games, DeSmith um, and Jari gets, you know, the other 50 somewhere like that, and they both play well, I think that's one of the best case scenarios for the Penguins and it allows the starter to be a lot more fresh um, going into the playoffs. But, you know, I liked what I saw in that final preseason game. It was a nice. Tune up. I know you're playing a Sabres team that's still a few pieces away, but you know Crosby and Gensel were themselves. Um, Danton Heinen looks poised to have another good year, and you know everything. You know the preseason doesn't mean too much, but still, I, I liked part of the things that I saw in that game and overall. You know, we, we always, I guess, a lot of Penguins talk centers on Sidney Crosby, and they bring back Malkin and they bring back Latang this off season. What was Sidney Crosby's reaction to all of this? And where is his mindset at as we head into this season? A great question. I, I'm sure he was really thrilled. Um, I've actually been told that, you know, he flew down to Miami. I think it was um, around like when the negotiations with Malkin were you know, kind of like taking like just the, I wouldn't say heated, but it was close to a point where it's going to go to free agency. And um, I was told that, you know, they went out to dinner. He was trying to calm him down and stuff. And I think he stayed at his place for a couple of nights and, you know, they were able to grind out the deal and stuff. And, you know, he's, th these are basically two brothers to him. He's played with them for almost two decades at this point. I think if one or both of them left, he would have been absolutely devastated and it was the right moves to make, you know, you look at the rest of the free agent defensemen, no one else is out there that can do what Crystal Tang does on a nightly basis. You do the same thing with Evgeny Malkin. And I think Gino is poised to have a really strong year this year. His skating looks improved in camp and in the preseason. Um, his decision-making looks improved. You know, his passing looks really crisp and his shot looks the same as always. Um, I think he could be well over a point per game player this year. If he does stay healthy, um, that knee looks, you know, a hundred percent better than when it did, you know, coming off the surgery in the second half of last season and in the playoffs against the Rangers. But, you know, they made the only two moves that they could have made and they're going to be better off for it, especially this season as they continue to try to get one more Stanley Cup in the Crosby era. I know he's really thrilled to have them back. You mentioned trying to limit the action that Tristan Jerry sees Obviously, keeping him healthy and keeping him playing at a high level is critical for this season. What have you seen from him so far in the preseason? And what do you think the prospects are that he stays healthy and has a strong year? Yeah, he, he's looked like himself um, in the preseason. I know you can't take too many conclusions away just because, you know, some of these games are going up against some C-level talent and stuff. But, you know, he's, his movement looks good. He's being as aggressive as he was last year coming out um, when needed. 
And he's also made some really flashy saves, which you know he was doing a lot last year as well. I have confidence that he can stay healhealthy. I think last year was just a fluky injury. Funny enough, Gillick came against your Islanders when Anders Lee decided to crash into his foot and break it. Oh, obviously an accident. I mean, he's not going out here and doing that on purpose, but um, you know, that ended up breaking his foot and that cost him basically an entire round. Funny, he actually spoke to the media when camp started and he said, even if they had won that game against the Rangers, he wasn't going to be able to play until game five against Carolina, if necessary. That's how hurt he was playing. I think it was probably below 50%. He said he wasn't really fully healthy until after the Stanley Cup final was over. So he still would have been playing hurt in that case. Um, I have confidence that he will stay healthy this year. I think it was just a fluke with what happened with Anders Lee. And if he is, um, I think he can have a pretty strong year. One of my bold predictions actually was that um, might be a little too bold, but I, I went for it just because these happen all the time. Um, I think he's going to be a Vesna finalist this year. I, I, I'm that I'm pretty confident in his game heading into this season. I think he's still trying to come out there and prove a lot of people wrong. Um, finished top 10 in goals state above expected last year was really writing that redemption story with only a few weeks to go until the playoffs. I think he was going to play well against the Rangers. Didn't have that chance to, he's going to really be looking forward to that this season if the Penguins do make the playoffs. And I, I do think he's going to have a really strong year. Heading into the season now, we're, we're just a few days away. What is your biggest concern about this Pittsburgh Penguins club? You know, I don't have too many concerns, but I guess, you know, one of the big ones is the forward depth. You know, the top two lines are awesome. They're putting Raquel up there with Gensel and Crosby. They had great numbers down the stretch last year. They're, they're kind of just splitting the load, um, I guess, just because Rust is so great with both Malkin and Crosby. Um, they're putting him with Malkin and Jason Zucker on his wing. The top six is great. But after that, got Danton Hine on your third line. Okay, 18 goals last year. Jeff Carter, 18 goals last year. But, you know, he's kind of trending downwards at this point because Barry Kapanen, very much an unknown player coming into this year. In the fourth line, you know, Brock McGinn, okay. Teddy Bluger, you know, good fourth line center. But after that, Josh Archibald, Ryan Paling, just – that doesn't have the same feel, you know, to last year. someone like Evan Rodriguez who can play on every line. I still think this team is a forward or two short. Um, I think they want their bottom six to just not get caved in on a nightly base, especially the fourth line. You know, I, I personally like fourth lines. I can score a lot, but I think Mike Sullivan wants this fourth line to be like, okay, go out there, try to limit the scoring chances against, and just that's it. They don't really want them to, I guess, score that much. Obviously some of them will have goals this year, but, um, it's definitely a different approach to the last couple of years under, you know, when Jim Rutherford was the GM for just building these bottom sixes where I think the team was a bit deeper. I know obviously Hextall was a GM last year, but that bottom six was, you know, he kind of inherited that from Rutherford. So I think they're still a forward or two away. I'd like to see them get one by the deadline cap permitting, of course, but, um, definitely the bottom six, I think is still, my biggest concern, you know, goaltending, I, I guess a little bit too, just because I want to make sure they can get at least average goaltending. But, you know, if Jari and Smith play up to it, um, hopefully they should um, be fine. And I guess I could throw in special teams in there maybe a little bit. I think the power play should be okay, but it was kind of league average last year. And then the penalty kill, um, just don't want it to go back to how it played against the Rangers where they were just um, not super aggressive. But I guess chief among them is the forward depth. All right. Well, Hunter, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. The show's Twitter is at LO underscore Penguins. You can find the podcast wherever you get podcasts, um, Apple, Spotify. Obviously, it's on YouTube. We're making the push for 1,000 subscribers this season. We're at 650. 
right now I'm hoping to have a thousand by, you know, well, the end of the new year, or if not the end of the season, um, three to four days away. Now penguin season starts. Um, I'm fired up. Uh, you know, the off I can only take so much off season content at once. I'm <laughs> super excited. I'll actually be at the game on Saturday at PPG paints arena. It'll be my first penguin game in whew, almost three years at this point. I'm really excited to get back there and, you know, just watch a game live. Yeah, that'll be great. But nothing like a live hockey game. It, it is something completely different than watching it on TV. Hunter, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On NHL podcast. I want to thank my guests, J.D. Young of Locked On Sharks, Jess Belmasto of Locked On Flames, and Hunter Hodes of Locked On Penguins. I am Gil Morton. Don't forget, we'll be back every weekday, Monday through Friday, to give you the best and biggest stories from around the NHL. Have a great day, everybody, and thank you for listening to the Locked On NHL podcast.